morning, church. I believe we could sing that song for the entire worship because God is love. It is great to see each of you here this morning. I almost feel like I ought to introduce myself to you, but um, make you figure out who I am. I'm so thankful to everyone who, uh, to the men who, who took over and um, took care of the preaching and the teaching uh, in my stead. Thank you so very much for uh, giving my wife and I had time to um, to be together. The Homer congregation does send you its greetings. Uh, we appreciate it being down there as well. Thankful to the elders. Just thank you so very much for this blessed opportunity. And now here we are again. Right? Nothing has changed. God, as Brother Ken brought out this morning, is still in control. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Oh, great, magnificent, beautiful, and great God. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer with thanksgiving in our hearts, thanking you so very much for your love, for your compassion and for your mercy, for your care and and for your blessings, for the great blessing of Jesus, your great son, who so willingly came to this earth and lived and died that we might be saved. For greater love as no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Thank you so very much for your amazing gift of sacrifice. This morning as we worship you, O oh God, we pray that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight and in accordance to your will and your way. Please help us to remove our minds from all worldly thought. We might focus only on you and on your word and on your will and on your way. And please guide us, Lord God, and keep us attentive, and bless us, Lord God, that we might bless you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee, it be thy will. Amen. Turn to Job chapter 14. Please pull out your devices this morning and your Bibles. Uh, there will not be a PowerPoint slide this morning. But I do want to build off of a subject matter that I shall not we shall not, I shall not be moved. The news, media, what do you hear on the news, right? Nothing but negative, negatives, 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 negatives. It seems today as if, as if life is, is not joyful, but life is just, is just full of trouble, right? There's, there's trouble on, on every side, the, you know, the, uh, the, the COVID, uh, virus, and then Delta variant, and Omicron variant, and, and then the rest of life, and all the life's troubles, and struggles, and, and that's what Job said. In the midst of his suffering, Job said in Job 14 verse 1, man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and withers, and he also flees like a shadow and does not remain. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. Man who is born of woman is just, he's full of trouble. His life is full of trouble. As Christians, we're, we're bruised, we're battered. And why? Because we're fighting this spiritual battle of life. Right? We're fighting this battle every day. You have fought this week. I feel like when I'm... Uh, in the pulpit, preaching, looking out of the audience like I'm speaking to a, a group of champions. 
Because you weather the storms of life that have come your way yesterday and the next day and all the way up until here we are again to worship our God. But you've come battered and you've come bruised. But you're still victorious. And in Revelation 12, we get an inkling and understanding of of why the spiritual battle was so difficult. It says in verse 11, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even to death. They were not just battered and bruised, but they were being executed for the cause of Christ. And then he says to us in verse 12, For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. See, that's where the victory is. That's where the victory is. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Turn to Isaiah chapter 61. And so it, it seems as though the, the only victory that a child of God can have is when we make it to heaven. But that is not true. But here's what we know. We know that Satan is trying to cripple us. Satan is trying to move us. But you know, we sing a hymn, and the hymn, I shall not be moved. Because we're anchored in Jehovah. And when you're anchored in God, brethren, we're going to be all right. So I want you to think about now, the the media, they have given us nothing but negativity. But I want you to think about the message, the media of the Bible, the message of God, the greatest story ever told. It's not even a story. It's a reality. In verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. Good news. God has given us good news. And who did He bring the good news to? To the battered and to the bruised. To the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You've been there, right? To bind us up and hold us tight and keep us strong. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Turn to Isaiah, please, chapter 9. The gospel message is amazing. It contains the greatest news of all time. And Jesus brought the amazing gift of the words of life. He is that word of life. When your heart is broken, there's two things. Outside of God, there are two things that we need. We need time for healing and comforting words that will help us get through those days. Isaiah 9 and verse 6, the Bible says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince 
of peace. Words of comfort that come from the great Counselor. The magnificent Counselor. Psalm 139. You see, this is what happens when we, when we find ourselves not reading or digging in the Word of God. We're losing, if you will, God's greatest gift to counsel us, to strengthen us with words of wisdom and power to remind us of our victory, to remind us of how great God is and that God is in complete and total control. And for that reason, I shall not, you shall not, we shall not be moved. God, in in Psalm 139, verse 13, For thou didst form my inward parts. Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. And I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul... My soul knows it. Do we know it? Can you say today with the psalmist, It is well with my soul? Turn to Psalm 46. It is well with my soul? My soul knows it very well. Psalm 139 and verse 14. But can you say it is well with my soul? Does my soul truly know it? In Psalm 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change. And though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake and its swelling pride, I mean, why wouldn't you be afraid? Because God is in control. Though the, though the earth just is destroyed, it doesn't matter because God has it. One might say, God has got this. God has got you. Verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. In other words, God is our help. Psalm, please. Um, actually, Isaiah 61. Let's go there. Isaiah chapter 61. Let's go back and finish this great news. As Brother Lawrence says often, uh, you know, God has made the world right again. He's fixed it. Here we are. Verse 2, Isaiah 61, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. That's good news. The gospel is good news. The word of God is good news. Verse 3, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be 
glorified, that He rather, excuse me, may be glorified to grant to those in Zion, to those who mourn, what is God going to do for us? What does God do for His spiritual kingdom, for His people today? What is He doing for us? Everything that is good. Everything. To give us a garland instead of ashes. Gladness instead of mourning. A mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Calling us oaks of righteousness. Brethren, God, God has got this. Psalm 23. And for that reason, we shall not be moved. Psalm 23. It is good to surrender your life to the only God who can save, to the only God who can help. The children of God are blessed. Why? Because we can, we can look to Him. I hear it so often, you know, Christians, we, we talk about people who are struggling and we go, you know, people have said, I don't know how they can do this without Jesus. It's true. I, I don't know how. I don't know how. I do know how. I do know how. See, I live without Jesus. Some of you have too. And you know what happens? You're bandaged, excuse me, you're bruised, and you're battered, but there's no physician to help you. We're weary, and we're struggling, and you know what happens? We get used to suffering with no purpose at all. No rhyme, no reason. We just suffer with the world. You just get used to it and you just accept the fact that this world is a place of doom and gloom. But with Jesus, with Jesus, it's totally different. And my soul knows it very well. So listen to Psalm 23 beginning in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. In other words, what David is saying here is, God just keeps on filling me up. Right? See, in the world when your cup runs dry, there's no one to fill it up. But as God's people, God continually fills us up. And our cup's overflowing. It should overflow with gratitude, shouldn't it? overflowing with gratitude because of the greatness of our God. We just keep looking to Jesus and we find ourselves stabilized. We find ourselves strong. We find ourselves with stability. And David says, I have walked in some amazing places. Amazing places. Well, David, tell us, where have you walked, sir? He says, "Uh, though I walked through the valley, verse 4, of the shadow of death. I've been walking down there in that bad place. Right? I, I, I've been walking in some, in some bad places. Not because I've chosen, I've chosen to be there. But life, maybe it took me there. And then maybe there are times that I chose to be there. But when I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I didn't have to fear evil. Because of God. 
I didn't have to fear being shaken because God is my foundation. The text says, Though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In other words, God is our protector. And David said, I've gained the victory and the strength even through my weaknesses. I think Paul echoed the same thing, didn't he? Paul said, in weakness then I'm strong. Because you know what happens in our weaknesses? Finally, we surrender to God. And we say, okay God, we need you. We always need God. And even in our strengths, for that moment in our life, please turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. In our strengths, in that moment of life, even in those moments of strength and power in your own heart and mind, it is God. It is God who has so blessed us. And you know, we forget that. We forget that. I I often love um, thinking about all the places God has brought us from. Out of the dungeon of despair. Out of the times of trouble. Out of the, the pits of darkness. I didn't want to be there. Sometimes life takes us there. And then God does something else. He does something that's that's pretty unexplainable from a from a humanistic standpoint. It's really it's pretty unexplainable this verse. Verse 16, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us, given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. Comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. And you, you read that verse and say, well, I, that, that's a pretty simple verse. Well, I mean, it is simple. But there's a word in there. And the word is eternal. You tell me what eternal comfort is. Because now we're talking about the heavenlies. Right? Eternal comfort. Forever and ever. God said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. I've got you at all times, always, forever. In fact, when you go to Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, you have that compound, right? I will never, no, not ever, leave you. And it repeats itself over and over and over again. Eternal comfort for the people of God. Hebrews chapter 12, please. Maybe, maybe when we think about comfort, and maybe when we think about life, maybe we have to take our minds, remove our minds from, from the flesh, right? And get our minds into the Spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted eternally. An eternal comfort. And in Hebrews 12, verse 26, And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which cannot be, or can be shaken, as of created things, in order that those which cannot be shaken may remain. Oh, i got to be a part of that one. 
Right? I mean, you know, the earth can be shaken. We felt that the other day, didn't we? We feel it all the time in Alaska. We are shook. Sometimes we're, we're awakened from our beds of slumber. But God says, I'm, I'm going to shake what can be shaken, but I made something that cannot be shaken. That's the church. That's you. And that's me. And I feel like sometimes that I've been shaken. But that's when I remove myself from the Spirit and focus my mind on the flesh. He goes on to say, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Do you recognize, church, that though we, we look at this from an outward glance and we, and we, and we, we see the, the struggle, maybe the conflict sometimes that the world is going through. Let's turn to Psalm 55. We see that. And, and sometimes, as, as the church, we, we forget that we are spiritual beings first. Right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we're no longer in the flesh, right? We're, we're to be living in the Spirit. We forget sometimes to look at life and, and, and its adventures and struggles and turmoil and, and trials. We forget sometimes to look, to look to Jesus, to look from a spiritual vantage point at life, to remind ourselves that we are members of a body of Christ a body of believers that cannot be shaken. It cannot be shaken. Oh, unless the Bible's incorrect. My soul knows it very well. And then you might say, well, wait, well, we, we have been shaken. And here, here are the reasons why, and etc. We might want to define those terms from a spiritual perspective. Psalm 55 and verse 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. And you say, oh wait, i got to argue with that passage because in my life, I've been here and I was there and, and I have been shaken. Whenever you read the Bible and it doesn't make any sense, you're not reading it right. <laughs> Amen. Right? If you're reading it and you're going, wait a minute, God, I don't know what you're talking about, but and you can start defining things and showing God where he's wrong, you're not reading the Bible right. Romans chapter 5, please. We have to remember to view life from a spiritual perspective. We have to rise above the flesh. We have to get out of the flesh in our minds and allow God to capture our minds and hold on to us tight. Allow God to be our anchor. Remind ourselves continually and constantly of the Word of God and the power of our God. And never forget... That God did not wind the world up and let it go. God is right here with us. Someone said, well, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't worry about it. God's already there. If it comes. Well, I don't know what's going to happen the next second. Don't worry about it. God's already there. God's outside of that time, you see. Where can I go and God not be there? We have to remember Romans 5. And let's begin to kind of close this thought out. Romans 5, verse 1 and verse 2. I want to kind of, I want to talk about it just for a moment. 
Therefore, we have been we've been justified by faith. Now we're pretty good at justifying stuff, aren't we? I mean, you know, I can you know we can justify things all day long. Now, why'd you do that? Well, it was I wouldn't have done it, but you know, and then this happened, and then there were all these things, and then and that's why I did it. And I wouldn't have done it had not. And we can go on forever justifying ourselves. Thank God we don't have to try and justify ourselves on Judgment Day. Because Satan would be standing right next to us with a list saying, no, 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 remember. And here's what you were thinking, preacher. Oh, yeah, well, well, I was thinking that only because, and I could, you could do, and we know what we're going to call it. We're going to call it lying. Because when you justify yourself, somewhere in there, oftentimes, we start lying. But we don't have to justify ourselves. Because we're justified by God. By faith. Remember Zechariah 3 and verse 1? When, when Satan stood right next to Joshua. To accuse him. But God justified him. It's not that he wouldn't be right. If, when Satan stands next to us to accuse us. It's not that he's not most of the time right. And I did sin. But it's God who justified me by faith. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. And you do know that's like five, six sermons in itself. But let's step away for just a moment and come back. Now, if you don't understand what, what God is saying, that, that we've obtained our introduction of faith in this grace, and we stand in this grace, and we're, and we're justified by God, and, and that God loves us. Turn to James chapter 1. And if you're struggling with, in your faith and trying to figure out, well, if God loves us, then why? And if you're still asking questions and you, you can't figure it out, then God told us what to do. He says this, verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's what I wanted to get to, verse 5. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you still haven't figured life out, just keep on asking God. Keep on looking in the Spirit. Keep on looking for the joy. Continue to consider it all joy. Find the good. Romans, Romans 5, please. Find the good in allowing God to sharpen, to mold each one of us for His good pleasure. Say to God, use me. Here I am. Send me. God, let me. God, I want to be with you. God, even though I don't understand, I know you're right. God, I surrender. God, justify me. Thank you for that. And then in verse 3 of Romans 5, and not only this, 
But we also exult in our tribulations. But I don't understand. God said, ask him for wisdom. Ask him to help you to see things from a different perspective, from a different vantage point, from a heavenly view or vantage point. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Okay, God, I'm, I'm getting that, that, that sometimes I'm going to have to suffer as a child of God. Wait a minute, if, even if I'm not a child of God, I suffer. Everybody suffers, but God, why do I have to suffer as a Christian? It doesn't make any sense. Right? It will make more sense, right, that if you become a Christian, you no longer suffer, and your world's perfect, and everything's great, and that's called heaven. Right? Uh, but, but then how many of us would actually love God versus how many of us would come to become a Christian just to get that perfect life. God wants us to love him freely. Whether you suffer or not. Okay, two more verses. First Peter, first Peter chapter, chapter 1. Keeping life in perspective. Oh, that's a good one. Keeping life in perspective, in the proper perspective. That's the key to spiritual survival and success. Stop looking at the flesh. Stop saying, well, I shouldn't suffer because, because of what? Because I, I think I, and I, because of what? See, I had to grow through that as a young Christian. And I couldn't figure it out. Why in the world are Christians suffering? They come to God. They're serving God. They're trying their best to do what's right. Why won't they be rewarded for that goodness? Isn't that wonderful God? Why are they suffering? It's a struggle with that. I couldn't figure that out. I had to keep praying about that. Lord, help me to figure that out. And, and you know, my selfish mind, my selfish mind wouldn't let it go for the longest time until I started reading the crucifixion. Until I started studying the life of Jesus. And then I was like, how selfish of me to think I should, I deserve to get through this life unscathed, never having any kind of affliction, never catching a common cold, never having any problems, never having things that I don't like happen to me. How selfish of me. How stingy. Ouch. That stung a little bit. But I was able at that point to put life back into its proper perspective where human beings who live in a physical world and suffering isn't always bad. Right? When your body hurts, it's saving you. <laughs> it's talking to you, right? You know, you, if, you, if you start bleeding and you don't know you're bleeding and, you're, and it doesn't clot up, you're going to die. Thank God it hurts. <laughs> right? right? When my heart, when I, if your heart starts fluttering or you start having issues in your chest and it tightens up and you call 911, thank God it hurt because that saves you. Sometimes. Perspective. Verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. 
Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. And full of glory and joy. They found, they found the proper perspective of life. Let's close. Romans chapter 5. Let's close. See, when you think of life, do you think of eternal life? I mean, there's life. We're living it, right? We know everything about it. And then there's eternal life. There's purpose in life and fulfillment in eternal life. There is purpose for the child of God in life. And the fulfillment is in eternal life. It just keeps on going. And let me tell you something. It keeps getting better. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, life does kind of get better. But it brings trials with it and struggles. And then we leave the earth. But isn't that the Christian goal? To go home? Isn't that why we're Christians? Because we want to go home home. And if we can remember keeping life in perspective, see, in this world, we're just sojourners. We're sojourners. We're just passing through. You know what happens? This is what happens. We lose perspective. We go, well, I kind of like it here, so I want to stay. God says, no, the child of God, you are just passing through. Don't Forget that. You're just passing through. In this life, in this life, there's struggles, but not in the life to come. In this life, there are negatives, but not in the life to come. Sometimes you got to go through the bad neighborhoods to get to the good ones. Don't ever forget you're not supposed to stop and stay here. We're supposed to pass through. Perspective. Closing now. Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still helpless in this old fleshly state, right? Sinful, struggling, suffering. While we were still helpless, couldn't save ourselves. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. No no one's a Christian without Christ. For the ungodly, Christ died for my ungodly soul. When I couldn't do anything about it. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, some would even dare die. But God 
demonstrates his love toward us. What kind of love? His own love. God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait until you got your life right. Or I got my life right. He did it while I was still in sin. While I was stuck. Church, loosen the yoke of bondage that's causing you to be stuck. So you can keep on moving through to get to our eternal home of glory. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we encourage you to surrender your life to God. Hearing his word and believing it and repenting of your sins. Having godly sorrow. Confessing his name and being baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. God might put you in that state and you can come on with the rest of us and just keep moving. And this morning, if there's anything that uh, you need as a child of God, we might pray with you or pray for you. And you would like special prayers made on your behalf. Make it known while... Together we stand and sing our song of invitation.